Hello to all of my friends at Survivor.com. It's me, Mario. <laughs> you guys, number one. Welcome to the Friendly Fire Show. This is episode 146 for, like, let's just do it monthly almost at this point, Ben, for uh, September. I'm Steve from Survivor, and with me, as always... Ben from Survivor. We're rusty. We'll get there. Um, how you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Uh, we've had to play some games, so that's different. You've been to Canada and back in that time. I uh, have. That's a game that's already out now, but you may as well talk about that. You went to go see Gears 5 at The Coalition, so how was that? Uh, I went to see Gears 5 at The Coalition in Vancouver, and while I was in Vancouver, I got review code for Gears 5, which made it very difficult to download and play, um, says a normal person, but I took my Xbox with me, so it wasn't that bad. Um, Gears was good. Uh, We played a lot of the second act and a lot of the third act, um... You definitely could have finished both acts in the preview that I was at, but I went and did a whole bunch of um, side missions and stuff, uh, mostly for the purposes of having capture ready to go for when review and guide embargoes had dropped. Uh, I really like it. We'll talk about that in a second, though, I guess. Um, I've also played a ton of other games like Catherine and NHL and Man of Medan, but you really took point on that one. Um, what have you been up to since we took an entire episode to talk about Control? Uh, well, that's all I've been playing. Uh, Man of Medan and Gears and The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Uh, and I think that's it. Nice. Well, played. we'll cover yeah. Link as a preview because the uh, review embargo is not quite up yet. Um, that's but right. basically, this is like our review... three chapters. It's our review backlog, yeah. basically. Do you want to start with Link first so we get out of the way and you can, you know, like, make sure you're fitting with said embargo? Uh, Well, yeah, we can do that. I mean, it's a game that came out 25 years ago, so uh, (laughs) not that we would ever spoil a story, but if you want to spoil it for yourself, it's pretty easy to do that right now. Um, But yeah, it's it's a game I hadn't played. I played nearly every Zelda game, but that one has always eluded me um, because it came out on the Game Boy in 93, I think, and then Game Boy Color. And now we have this really cutesy little uh, Toy World-style remake. Um, So I think I had a preview from E3, which is only 15 minutes. And you pretty much get a taste of what the game is in that time. So have you seen much of it at all? Not a terrible amount, to be honest. I'm kind of like Mm. a hit-and-miss guy with Zelda. Like, I'll either really want to play it and be, like, all in, like, Breath of the Wild, or I'll kind of stumble upon it, like ocarina of time and really really like it and i'm sure i'd like every zelda game but it's just i don't know there's something like fantasy like about it that i'm not really crazy about on the surface well i did save this for the podcast because i found just in my uh searching on the internet a a youtube video about someone saying that link's awakening was inspired by twin pinks because the director at the time was obsessed with the show uh now how he was inspired by it i don't know because I don't really know oh. about Twin Peaks. So. <laughs> uh, so now I have to play it just to kind of school you on how that works. I can do that. Yeah, well, I, could, I could have read the whole article, but I didn't. You know, that's classic Friendly Fire Show level of research right there. Uh, <laughs> but that may make you more interested. It's, it's very different to the other Zelda games. So when they made it, um, they thought, this is just a little Game Boy game. No one really cares. Miyamoto wasn't involved. 
so that's why it has like you know shy guys in it will Wright's in it peach makes a brief appearance zelda's not in it uh yeah they oh. didn't really care about all these crossovers they're kind of like a bunch of little easter eggs not even easter eggs they're like blatantly in the game um some of them not all of them so that's really weird I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's weird. a weird game from that point of view. Um, one of the main uh, mechanics is this trading system where you kind of get something and you trade it for something else. You get like, I don't know, I'll just make it up for it so I don't spoil one of the real things, but you get like a hat and you've got to trade it for like a flower, then you trade that for a banana. Um, and figuring out that puzzle is actually quite hard because it, it doesn't really guide you like a modern game would. It's very 90s in that, that you have to remember what someone said. They said, I want a flower but you don't come across them again for ages, so you've got to remember that's where you go. And I, I like that style. I think we talked about that with Control in that we get so used to this is what you have to do, this is where you have to go um, with modern games. So going back to that, less hand-holdy is quite nice. That said, it is um, it does kind of guide you pretty well around the map, so I've never really been lost as to where to go. Uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's very different to Breath of the Wild, obviously, so... It's more of the old school style Zelda. You get your items. Uh, you can only use two at once because Game Boy only had an A and a B button. Uh, but now you always have your sword out. So that's, I can't imagine playing a game like this where you, you had to choose to unequip your sword because you need to use your ocarina. Like that's, that's crazy. But yeah, that was the Game Boy. Nice. Well, I like Majora's Mask. So like, I think I like the weird this is definitely that type. Ones. It's the slightly different Zelda. So, yeah, worth checking out. Nice. Um, I guess keeping in the vein of, like, this is review backlog time. We're not talking about news today. We're just talking about all the stuff we played in, like, the last month. Um, same idea. Uh, I played Catherine Fullbody. I think that's the name of it. Man, that's really bad. Um, it's the PS4 re-release of the... Uh, puzzle game made by Atlas that used to be on Xbox 360, PS3, and PC. Um, have you ever played Catherine? Or no? I've tried to play it, but I never got into it. I think I got a couple of puzzles in kind of towards the start, but it, it didn't grab me. Oh, okay. I really like it. So it's um, it's basically two games in one. The first half is this puzzle game that you were talking about. Um, it's a weird kind of anime story where you're a man named Vincent. You, in the original... Uh, we're basically cheating on a woman named Catherine with another woman named Catherine. Uh, in this re-release, you're cheating on Catherine with Catherine and another woman named Catherine, just because why not make it more confusing? Um, so the anime kind of ap- uh, aspects of this are, it's like a little kind of interactive story where you spend your nights in a bar uh, talking with people, building relationships, kind of delving into Vincent's... Uh, storied past and then when you go to sleep uh there's this curse upon people and if you've been cheating on your uh significant other you grow horns you become a sheep of sorts and you have to spend your evening or your nights uh traversing this kind of ladder-like stair-like puzzle where you move blocks to be able to um climb up to the top of the the puzzle area uh, the puzzles are really, really hard in the first release. So this time around, Atlas is basically giving you the ability to skip the puzzles entirely, um, which I wouldn't suggest doing because the puzzle aspect of it's really, really fun. Um, but if you if you're finding it's too hard, and it was really, really hard, um, you can kind of just breeze through the puzzle bit and spend more time with the interactive uh, anime story kind of thing. Um, the first one was kind of abused. 
not abused because it was um, deservedly so. The first one was critiqued for um, some kind of questionable Japanese-like storylines where they weren't very friendly to like transgendered people, as an example. Um, and the the re-release hasn't really f- corrected that outright, but it's made it a lot better. Um, I don't want to ruin it because it's actually a, a quite endearing kind of little storyline. Uh, if you're familiar with the original, um, that presents itself in this re-release. So it's it's good. Um, it's decidedly Japanese. I like the puzzle bits more than, than anything else, but I also like a good kind of character-driven bit of uh, media. So it's it's decent. Um, you can get it for fairly cheap, but in the same kind of vein, um, the, the game's really old. You can get it for a dime on Xbox 360, and there are, like, YouTube puzzle guides so if you're kind of getting stuck on some of the puzzles which are mandatory in the original release you can kind of get some help to breeze through those and maybe save yourself some money it's pretty good though so i would recommend consumer advice is don't buy this version buy the original version because you've got to play the puzzles anyway well yeah like i think the puzzles were pretty good um it'll it'll be on sale pretty quickly i reckon so uh the reason that i would play it on the original in its original form is because it's not on Xbox One um, with this re-release. Like a lot of Eastern properties, they've decided to just go PS4, which is kind of annoying. But it's good. It's good. If you like um, Persona for like the character stuff, it's very similar in that aspect. If you like a little bit of puzzle game action, it's pretty good in that respect as well. Uh, and if you're really, really into the puzzles, there's kind of like a little arcade setup in the bar where you can just like play more of the puzzle aspect and they've added a whole bunch of new levels so you'll have lots of stuff to do if so inclined cool Uh, i'm gonna handball off to you because you took point on man of medan uh the latest from supermassive the first multi-platform release from supermassive yes i've broken away from sony with their exclusive backing which was until dawn um which i think you liked i think most people actually really liked that it was that b grade everyone made the cabin in the woods um reference pretty much it was massively based on that super massively even um (laughs) this is their follow-up so i think that's going to be five games did they say in the dark pictures anthology something like that i thought it was like seven or something crazy seven okay they have a ridiculous amount to announce at the start really because this is not just one game this is one of many many games which are going to explore all your classic horror tropes uh so Mm. this one is probably your four people who go out Actually, I don't really know what the main tropes here are because boats aren't often well, th- in horror There's a horror movies. movie called <laughs> Ghost Ship, so I feel like this okay. is basically just like Ghost Ship. Okay, that's your one. Uh, and your general, <laughs> you know, 20-somethings who get themselves into a mishap and you think, oh my God, the black guy's going to die first. But that's up to you because choose your own adventure. Uh, but don't be racist and purposely, purposely kill the black dude first. Like, have a, no. a red-hot go. That, okay. that is a <laughs> horror trope, but you do not have to live to it. You can... Do what you want. Kill the exactly. rich white girl first. Whatever you want. Or the douchey jock guy. You know, whatever you kill want. Kill Sean Ashmore because I did he's kill probably him been compensated within, very well for his... Uh... He was barely in my first playthrough, like 20 minutes. Uh, huh. Well, because I... So, Sorry, actually, I, I sidetracked should, you. I should say that uh, as much as I made it sound like you can choose who lived and survived, often killing someone is a split-second decision that you didn't see coming. It's very, here's your twist now. Uh, so I did kill Sean Ashmore because I missed a quick-time event, which was faster than the other quick-times. 
and then it's just gone. So, um, was it the heartbeat you know, kind of one or no, I probably can't say what it is without potentially oh, okay. ruining it. It was just, it was just so like I'm a like, button press at the right time, which you didn't quite get at the right time. That's it. It was a bold, ambitious play, which I went for. I didn't have to take that route, but I did. Oh, and I, didn't I, pay think off I know for what it. you did. We'll talk about yeah. it later. Pretty early on. Cool. Uh, yeah, that, so I that's think the best said... part about Until Dawn for me. Like that, um, especially near the end of Until Dawn, you know, blink and you've just killed someone, and it was like very frenzied and frantic and kind of like edge of your seat, B grade horror at its finest. Yeah, I'm not so, sure if this game has met that, but I don't know what you think about it. I do know it. I've, I've read you've written about it. You know it, what but... I think? It's, I think they, they haven't <laughs> quite now. They've, they've gone a bit too safe. Uh, so I like the start. I kind of thought it was easing into this. Um, you know, you've, you're building up the characters. You learn a little bit about them, but not much. Uh, and then I think we saw the pirate scene was pretty well documented. So that's not really a spoiler. And you kind of mm-hmm. think we're getting into a bit of a Captain Phillips situation here. They're going to take over the ship and something cool is going to happen. And then it kind of just really drops away. Nothing does happen with them. You end up on this ghost ship where not much happens. Um, I found it way too dark in the sense that I couldn't see what I was doing. I had to turn HDR off, so something's wrong there because I don't have that mm. with any other game. Um, and yeah, it just it wasn't it wasn't really a gripping horror game, and I didn't end up caring about these characters. And then it was kind of game over, so it didn't have that same hook that Until Dawn did. And I I never really got to a point where I wanted to know more. I wanted to see how I could get them through this story. I just kind of wanted to to end by the end. So. There are some good bits. There are some. There's a kind of a couple of big twists if you play that path because there's a few branches there. Um, but yeah, it's it's not as good as Until Dawn. Oh yeah, and I, like I've kind of felt like with everything that Supermassive's done, it's just been a little bit worse each time. Um, so they did a game. I can't remember which is which. Like in the order that they came out, but for Sony, they did a play. What's that thing called? The like the thing where it's like jackbox like and you have a phone controller play no play idea something i'm sure it exists. play link it's called play link there we go ah, okay. um so hidden agenda um which is you have your phone in your hand that's the controller and you kind of group consensus like get the protagonist to go and do things and you have to kind of vote on what happens it's like the um some of the multiplayer modes that are in Man of Medan, where like if, if you don't want to play it as a single player experience, you get the kind of group think going, and you sit and watch a half movie, half kind of game thing, and you know, fifty percent voted to do this, so that's what happens. Um, it was all right, but the writing was kind of schlocky. Then they did a PlayStation VR game called The Impatient, which was better, but it was kind of relying more upon the VR gimmick than good writing. Um, and I like I've played through Man of Medan. I've only played through it once. Um, I agree with, with what you're saying. It's it's the writing's really really bad in places. Like the the interaction between characters doesn't doesn't feel sincere sincere or realistic. Um, and there's not a lot of weight to what you're doing, even though it's supposed to be this kind of the same Crazy you know the same ship. kind of atmosphere. Yeah, the yeah. same kind of atmosphere that Until Dawn wanted or successfully impressed upon you it's not you're not i'm not really getting that with man of Medan, it's not so quite it's kind of just like eh, what happens i don't I think feel the like they're pumping these out so cool. quickly yeah. yeah well they're going to but so like you've got two options multiplayer you can play online with someone and i don't really know how that would work 
Um, but the one I tried is the one where you play, it's called Movie Night, and you just pass the controller. So if you've got two people, you take either two and three characters each, or if you've got five people, you each take one character. But if you kill someone off straight away, then that person's got nothing to do for ages. Uh, <laughs> it, it is a mode, so it does tell you, like, you know, Steve, start. Like, this is your character now. Or, you know, Ben's yep. turn or whatever. Um, but if you take that bit out, it's just like a single-player game that you would yourself choose to pass the controller around for. So it's... It's not quite um, that in-depth, but it, it is an easy way to play. The only problem is if you want to play with people who don't play many games, they just want to play the story mode, the tank controls that you get during the ghost ship are really hard. Like I struggled because they don't make games like mm. their 1998 anymore. And trying to figure that out is, is tough. So you need a PS1 kind of background to be able to do that. And that's a problem, I think. Well, and just like something that's really stupid and same kind of problem with Until Dawn. They want to have, they want to have this really dark foreboding atmosphere so like your character moves at a snail's pace and you just want to get across yeah. the room and it takes so long and you just want to hit a run button or just have them like have a little sense of urgency in their movement and they just crawl across a room that's really annoying and like obviously that works to the game's favor and trying to like make you tense and worried and stuff and a couple times like when you're going so slow like you have nothing else to do but just kind of look at the screen as your guy walks across a corridor. And, like, they'll throw a really cool, like, wrench in the works. Like, I think I, I texted you when I saw it. I'm like, ah, there was, like, a sailor girl that, like, just popped up in the corner of this room and it was really freaky. So, like, a couple times they do something with it, but most of the time it's just kind of, like, frustrating. Yep. But it's it's not bad. It's there just hard to recommend. It's yeah. the type of game I would say if it was on Game Pass, and it is not. But if it was, I would say try it and play it. But it, it, otherwise, it is hard to recommend, especially with another six coming. Uh, you kind of think they've, they've started here, they've probably got this one out quickly, and they'll probably build and hopefully improve. So, Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and at the end of the game, they teased the next one, which I completely forget the name of, and I'm trying to look it up right now and doing a horrible job. Um, darn it! It's more yeah, like a slasher that at all. movie from the sound of it. Um, it is called Little Hope. Um, it's coming out in 2020, and it's it uh has like a little kind of creepy kid, and it looks like it's drawing on like some sort of like cult to power this kid or to do something with the kid. Um, it looks more like a traditional slasher movie air quotes to me um and i think i saw will coulter as one of the game's leads and he is the guy who is in uh school of comedy he was like the little kid and one of the school of comedy kids he was in the stupid comedy with jennifer aniston and they do like a road trip and i forget the name of it which is horrible of me oh yeah and he was also got... yeah i forget what that movie he was in he was in that franchise with the kind guy of a weird from Teen kid. Wolf. The Ma- he was in the Maze Runner as well. I forget. I forget who, the name. He like rapped the song with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, yeah. The weird, like the weird, awkward one. Anyway, I think he's yeah. in it. So it looks like they're trying to one pay homages to horror and slasher and thriller um, movies with each game that comes out, and it looks like they're trying to at least put one name to it like sean ashmore was in this one so like it might not be the best but it's there's kind of like some appeal in that i suppose we'll see 
if you can call that appeal. Uh, I'm going to talk about NHL next, but I won't do it very long. Um, it's a yearly release. It's a sports game. Uh, I kind of hung some shit on NHL 19 for not having anything to really celebrate. So all the other EA sports games have gone to the Frostbite engine. And I guess looking at how the Frostbite engine's done uh, <laughs> with recent games, maybe that's not a, a bad thing that NHL's not on it anymore. Uh, or or never was. Um, but I didn't like in 19 how they kind of forgot about the NHL itself and made this huge emphasis on something called World of Chell, which is this online-driven affair where it's dudes in their sweatpants on a small town rink or like at a you know rink that your dad's just uh frozen out near the barn that kind of thing and it was kind of gimmicky to me last year but this year i've come to really 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 like it um the nhl franchise is it never gets a budget really and it's made by the same guys in vancouver and they've basically got the game core, the game's core down to a science. Um, well, I, I think it's really, really good, especially offline. Um, and because they've invested all that time in the core, and don't really have to manage it too much. Um, they've really built up World of Chell this year to do a lot of kind of cool things. And one of the things that I didn't think I'd like was that Eliminator mode, which is the Battle Royale-inspired um, mode and to call it a battle royale is kind of stupid it's just a tournament mode online so you're playing either individually or with a team of three and you're basically just playing through a tournament single elim- single elimination if you win you stay in if you lose you're out um, so to call it a battle royale probably did it a disservice to be honest but it's actually pretty fun uh, the other really good thing about the game is that they've gotten rid of the uh, broadcast package that they've been using for the last uh, four or five years probably uh, put a whole new set of graphics in and replaced the commentators with two new guys or rather one new guy and Ray Ferraro who was kind of the between the boards uh, dude from the last couple games it works really well um, for me it just seems like there's a bunch of enthusiasm that hasn't been in the game for a while uh, I'm talking out my ass no one else cares about hockey but me I really like it um, if you are the kind of guy who plays the sports games and skips every second year, this is definitely one to pick up. Um, if you have NHL 19, there's not a terrible amount that's different, so if you're kind of on the fence, maybe give it a miss till it's cheaper. Um, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Are you happy that I'm finished talking about hockey then? I would say you are the only person in Australia that reviews NHL every year. That is probably pretty accurate. I don't think EA Australia even know where to get you a copy. They're kind of like, oh yeah, I think we do we make that game? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. the fact that I have to fight it. to review it every single year is beyond me, but whatever, I'm happy to do it. They asked if we wanted FIFA, at least, uh, and I turned that down because I know nothing about soccer, so whatever, and FIFA's it's out pretty popular. soon. It is, but people who are very enthused about it can already play it from the date of recording, Ben, so I don't think they uh, can read my review. Mm, no. um have i forgotten about anything else that you've been playing before we get into gears that's it i haven't played anything else new let's let's get into gears uh officially ben the most successful launch uh, of a microsoft first party game in this generation and why do you think that is well they really pushed game pass ultimate didn't they uh get that for two (laughs) dollars get to play the game early 
which I believe didn't work initially, but we're past that now. They fixed it. And good mm. on them, it's working. This is clearly what they want for Game Pass. They do not want you to buy the game. Uh, they want you to subscribe. And I was surprised when I kind of see that, like, JB Hypo was pushing his Gears 5 Ultimate Edition. Why would anyone buy that? Just subscribe to Game Pass. It's two bucks. Uh, so I'm, I'm surprised it's getting any shelf space at all. Well, yeah. And, like, so my 10-year-old nephew, who I do not want to play Gears, obviously, uh, wanted the... Well, and He wanted a motorcycle game. And there's not many of them. So, like, one's called MXGP. And one of them was on Xbox Game Pass. So rather than spending 60 bucks Canadian, or, like, probably 80 bucks Australian, and buying him a single game, I paid for a $60 six-month Game Pass subscription so he can download that game and also download theoretically a hundred more i don't want him to download like dead by daylight and stuff but value for money xbox game pass is crazy and if you also get not that i want him to play it gears of war 5 on launch day on either xbox or pc depending on which tier of xbox game pass you buy it's a no-brainer yeah absolutely uh, the other thing is, apparently, Microsoft's, before we get into the game itself, Microsoft said it's pretty successful. They're happy with how it's going on Steam as well. So there are people who don't have Game Pass that now that they can get Microsoft first-party games on Steam at launch, they're taking advantage as well. So it's kind of well, cool. very it's, smart. It's smart moves by in, Microsoft. It snuck itself into a nice little release window where we hadn't had a lot, uh, and there's still a gap for the next big games, and there aren't many big exclusives, really, so... Xbox normally mm. totally fluffs that. It's normally a, uh, a PlayStation exclusive that kind of does that. So they finally copied Sony's playbook and, and got in a good time. Agreed. Uh, yeah. So you played a lot more than I have probably. <laughs> uh, I've been too busy playing Zelda. Um, but we did play Horde Fair Mode. Enough. I think Horde Mode's got a lot of uh, wraps. I'm seeing a lot of people really liking it. We really liked it until it dropped out so we couldn't continue. Before that, it was great. Yeah, I think we played when it was still that kind of like launch period uh, problem. So I've played since. Made it through all 50 rounds. Woot! Um, got that on achievement. Be- on uh, which and it was really stable. Oh, beginner. Hell yeah, beginner. Um, Come on. I was playing with a guy and misses the same gamer tag, and she basically stood in a corner while he was kind of like defending her. So it was fine. Like, it wasn't uh, annoying. Well, it was annoying because we were playing with four people instead of five, and like she was just kind of like there for the gamer score, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, Maybe they like doing something together worked. as a married couple, even though she's not into gears. She still wanted to, to try and support. I mean, I would hate to do that, well, but. You could play the campaign, and she could be on beginner, (laughs) and he could be on experienced, and you wouldn't be maybe a detriment to the people around you. But that's whatever. That's my little gripe. Um, We made it through, and it was cool. The thing I like the best about Horde is it's not the traditional kind of Gears Horde that you're used to. Um, Or, I guess, it's Horde 4, so there's different flavors of Horde. But um, this one, and in multiplayer, which is a really good idea, I think, um, has decided to change it up a bit with hero characters that have like overwatch style special abilities so uh, my favorite guy is Foz, who's one of the new characters in gears 5 when you have your ultimate available he gets x-ray vision so he can see enemies through walls and they're highlighted purple to make it really easy to see them um, better yet he has x-ray firing abilities so you can shoot your weapon at the purple highlighted bad guy and it doesn't matter if there's cover between you and it it will just go through the cover and hit the bad guy. 
Um, Marcus uh, Phoenix has an ability that gives him like instant critical hits, which doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do a headshot and kill someone straight away, but you'll at least be hitting headshots on someone and taking more damage or putting more damage into them. Um, and you can combine those things. So if Foz can see through walls and Marcus can do headshots, you can do both at the same time, which is really cool. Um, and they've done that in Horde to kind of change the meta so it's not just wave after wave of people and you kind of bunkering down and staying pretty central. You can kind of use some of these abilities and be a lone wolf and roam around the map and, and do your thing. Um, it also changes up the multiplayer in that it's not just shotgun versus shotgun. There's kind of a little bit more strategy uh, or skill involved rather than just having a short range weapon and turning a corner and killing someone, which I thought was really good. Um, did you get any of that kind of feeling from it playing, uh, the amount of time that you have been? I, I didn't get so much of the characters, but I haven't played Horde enough. Cause I've kind of, we played that one time. Um, we tried verses and, and didn't do well. Uh, actually we did okay. Uh, and then I've been playing campaign, which is I've always thought campaign is where gears is great. Um, I know a lot of people really like Horde and it does seem great here too. So I do want to try again and, and try to get that 50 wave maybe on intermediate. We could go slightly above beginner. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm down for it. So whenever you want to do it, you let me know. Yeah, we just got to block in some time. I think we said when we played last time, it would be great if you could kind of pause and save here and come back. But I can see with a five player game, that's going to be tough. So uh, yeah, it's got to, how long do you think it would take to do one difficulty up? Uh, it'd take at least two or three hours, I reckon. Yeah, so you've got to find time to commit to it, which is fine, but it makes it more of a weekend situation, probably. Yeah. Well, and I guess we can talk about campaign then. It's there, There's a lot of the traditional Gears campaign points, especially in Acts 1 and 4. They're very traditional. They're kind of linear, corridor-based cover shooting. Um, the biggest change, I guess, to campaign is that Acts 2 and 3 take an open-world stance. And you have a couple objectives, but then you have a whole bunch of side objectives um, that you can choose to go and uh, complete. There's also kind of hidden collectible items in the world which give some lore to you, but there's also collectibles that you can use to um, power up your sidekick robot named Jack, which we'll get into in a minute because that's a whole bunch of different stuff as well. Um, Acts 2 and 3 are amazing. You have this vehicle called the Skiff, which you basically just use to get around um, these large environments. Um, you can, you know, stay focused and just do the side or the, the main missions if you want, but if you want to go and explore, there's, you know, like hours of side content there. And that's really, that's really where I enjoyed the campaign. Um, I don't know how far you are in it, so I don't want to wreck anything. And I'm going to talk well, very generally. Well, spoil for our listeners anyway, but I'm in uh, Act 3. So nice. probably halfway-ish. Uh, but I'm taking my time. Land. Yeah, so I, I find uh, campaign is kind of the opposite of Horde. Horde where you've got to commit to this big chunk of time to get it done. Campaign being split into act and then into chapters is there's these constant great points where you can either think I'm in for another chapter or this is a good point to put it down and take your time. So uh, yeah, it's it's a good campaign in that point of view that I really like just chipping away maybe two chapters here and there. And yeah, I am taking my time with it. So, but I really enjoy it. I think it's very solid. I know a lot of people have said it doesn't take itself too seriously, which Gears Four got um, slightly criticised for. Uh, hmm. So yeah, it kind of knows it's kind of you know this is a ridiculous situation where these big buff guys cutting things up with chainsaw guns. So it's it's back to that. 
and a focus on different characters. So we had a lot of JD in Gears 4. We obviously had Marcus mainly before that. Um, and now Kate, who was in Gears 4, is kind of front and center in Gears 5. So they're not at war yeah. anymore. For it being Kate's Gears. story, though, I'm kind of pissed off that, and like spoilers, I guess, to some degree, but like the first act is all about not Kate, which is annoying. Like when I went well, I to this preview the... thing in Vancouver. Go ahead. I think it's more of a handover because it was kind of, here's JD again. It, as you said, Act 1 is very classic Gears. And so you're playing as the guy that you left off with uh, as a standard Gears game. And then Act 2, you as Kate in this big kind of snowy environment, open world, it's all very different. And that's where kind of Gears 5 really starts being a very different game. I think at least. Yeah, I think I might be influenced by the way that they were trying to sell it to me in Vancouver. Like, oh, this is Kate's game. It's all about Kate. Well, like, if it was all about Kate, then it would all be about Kate. And it's not for, like, a good couple hours. But um, once you get past Act 1, amazing. I'm not crazy about Act 1. I think it's kind of boring. And, like, I don't know if they were just doing that to kind of placate the guys who just want Gears the way it was. But um, I much more enjoy Act 2 and, and 3. And four as well. Um, another cool thing, they're, they're trying to make the game like super inclusive. So one of those additions is the ability to play as the robot named Jack. Um, so it's a cool little robot that if you play it, if you're not moving and doing anything, he will cloak. So you're not really a target for enemies. And that was purposeful by the coalition to kind of give someone who's feeling overwhelmed um, the chance to kind of just like put the controller down for a second and know that they're going to be okay. Um but if you have some experience and you want to play as Jack, he's still really fun. So he has the ability to kind of shock people um, and then he will be able to acquire new skills and upgrade the skills as the game progresses. Um, and rather than give these weird, not explained superhuman abilities to the characters like they have in multiplayer, um, they've used Jack as kind of like the RPG-like device. So you can't do the X-ray thing that I was talking about with Foz um, in the campaign um but jack has a whole bunch of kind of science-based upgrades that he can employ so he can um shock enemies and make them jump out of cover he can do a pulse which will reveal enemy locations on the map um other ones that i can't remember um but you know you can use jack if you're playing solo or you know if you're playing in a, a duo it's up to three people uh in the campaign, but if you're playing with two people and no one's controlling Jack, you can still like hit a button and fire off his abilities. Um, but you can have someone dedicated to Jack and assist in that way as well. And I just, it's, it's kind of cool. Jack's really fun to play as, especially in Horde. Um, and he's kind of fun to play with, play around with in the campaign, either, you know, dedicated as the character or just using him as support. So it's, there's a whole bunch of really cool things about gears, which evolve it, but don't change it too much. We're like, we're not talking about, how God of War was completely different, you know, between the last one and the one that Sony's just no. put out. This is still very much Gears, but it's refreshingly Gears as well, if that makes sense. It does feel a little more modern, so your movement is still your classic, slightly clunky Gears movement, which is part of it, so it has to be that. But it just feels a little bit better. Um, as you say, Jack makes a pretty big difference without making a big difference, if that makes sense. So hmm. even in single player, you're always thinking about how can I use him because the ability is kind of listed right there on your screen. But it doesn't, it doesn't really change the gameplay at least much. Kind of, It's just an extra thing to think about, and it, it improves it for the better. Uh, and it makes you want to explore a bit more. So if you want the collectibles, that's cool. You get a little bit of lore, but nothing else. Um, but then you can also get the ability points, which you want to do. So you, want to, you kind of see a little path that goes somewhere, and you think, I'm going to get one new point there. And I actually want that because I'm going to get 
Jack doing something better. So I think that really adds yeah. to it. And it's a great looking game. So you may as well go explore because I think this is one of the best we've seen in a long time, um, certainly on Xbox. So yeah, I think it's a very good looking game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's really, it's, it's really good. I enjoy it. Um, and I'm happy to jump in in multiplayer action, even though I'm not very good at multiplayer. Um, I'd rather play Horde or something. Escape is the only kind of downside, I guess, to the offerings. Escape, to me, is just kind of cookie-cutter and bland. It sets you in this little map, and your objective is to escape. But it's, yeah, like, there's not a lot of motivation to do it. There's not a lot of reward for doing it, I'd say, and you don't really need to work too closely with your teammates. It's kind of just, like, I don't know, it's, it didn't hit yeah. with me. It's, it's a really nice idea it. that maybe they can build upon, but yeah. Well, and Horde and Campaign is so much about blasting through heaps of ammo and heaps of resources that to take that away doesn't really suit Gears. So, no. yeah, I didn't really understand what we were doing. Uh, but Horde is great, so that's where I'd go if I was going to play a multiplayer. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't really have much else to say. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about before we go, Ben? No, I think that's about it. We are on top Look of all us. the September releases, finally, before the big games start coming out. So, yeah. Like, what? I can't even think of what's happening anymore. I just feel like I'm going to be busy until Christmas. Basically. Uh, you, yeah, you, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's it Actually, it's not that big of a year compared to probably the last few years, because Xbox have got their big exclusive out already. There's no Forza sneaking up on you. This is it for them. I don't think PlayStation hmm. have one besides Death Stranding, um, which I suppose is their biggest exclusive this year. Which looks weird as hell. But I don't... I'm not even sure if I want to play it. It looks so weird. You're playing for well, social so... media likes. I feel like I do that in my life. I don't want to have to do that in a game. The last few years, they've had uh, God of War and Spider-Man, which were your kind of top shelf level claims. And really, <laughs> you don't get exclusive better than that. So I, don't... I think this is more of a phone-in effort. Um, and it'll get the... Uh, PlayStation fanboy saying how much they love it. We've got a Kojima game, but yeah, it could be good. Don't get me wrong; it may be good, but I don't, I don't understand it. From everything I've seen so far, I do not get it. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Well, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, could be. Oh, before we go, I just wanted to thank people who. Sorry to cut you off. I'll let you talk first. Okay, Mine's a concluding thing, really. Oh, I just wanted to thank everybody who came to Sydney uh, to the Ubisoft experience uh, over the last weekend. Um, had a good chat with Ed Fong and Watchdog Legion Shelley Johnson. That's going to go on the site in a little bit. Um, Muse Elk and Steph, Hex Steph from Good Game, or from previously from Good Game. Uh, good chat and a really good chat with people after the panel. We sat around for like a half an hour just talking to random people. Um, a lot of people came up and said they read the site, and that's much appreciated, so hopefully you listen to the podcast too. Uh, thanks. You made me feel like I was famous for like an hour, which was really cool. Uh, I don't want to say much more because it seems like I'll be up myself. Woohoo! Well, I'm sure it was a great show. I was not there, but uh, I imagine it was great. I didn't catch. No, it was the pretty good. But yeah, I heard good things. I think Everything uh... I saw, it seems like it was a great event. So it looks really good. Yeah, no, it was really good. It was. It's really cool to have Ubisoft doing something for people in Sydney, especially since a lot of gaming conventions are not in Sydney. Uh, if we're talking about Australia, you know, PAX Oz is the big one. That's in Melbourne. Um, so it was kind of just good for people to get out and have a chance to get up close and personal with games. They did a whole bunch of um, like shows for Beyond Good and Evil and Watchdog, Watch, Watchdogs Legion. And like it's old hat to you and I, I suppose, just going into a room and having a developer talk over a demoist playing a game. But for some people, 
probably for most people there, that'd be the first time they get to experience something like that, which would be super cool, I reckon. We're so jaded, we, we forget that, but um, I'm sure it, would it be gave a lot cool. of people a lot of access to cool games, and it was for Are You Okay Day, so anything that raises money for charity, it's pretty hard to uh, fault. So thanks for Ubisoft, to Ubisoft for sending me there, and I will uh, stop this before I have to put like hashtag ad, ad or something on the podcast. Ben, thank you for joining me. How can we find you on social media? I am on Twitter as Ben underscore Salter. And yourself? Uh, I'm S Wright AU. Though I'm so famous now, I don't have to tell anybody. <laughs> that was sarcasm. Uh, you can find our stuff on the site. I've got a whole bunch of stuff that's up. And Ben, your Zelda review goes up in a day or two or a couple days. I'm sure you will abide by embargo, even if I'm clueless. Absolutely. It is at some point this week. I believe it's Thursday evening, Australian time. At some time, so yep, that's when it will be up. Nice. I'll check that. <laughs> yeah, it's better we do. Um, thanks for joining me, Ben. Thanks for joining us, listeners, and we will see you whenever we decide to hit record again.